acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You guys really are like the hip-hop early morning, late night talk show. Breakfast Club is the most powerful, popular, urban radio show in America. Live from the Black Mothership in New York City, it's DJ Envy and Charlemagne the God. It's different, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all know what y'all talking about. Thank you, y'all. Be blessed, five. I love y'all. Collectively known as Breakfast Club, bitches! I'm always nervous when I do the Breakfast Club because sometimes you say stuff and it's just gonna get you in trouble. Everybody wait! This is your time to get it off your chest. I got an indoor pool, an outdoor pool. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. We can get on the phone right now and he'll tell you what it is. We live! Hello, who's this? Hello? Yo, yo, what up, DJ? Envy, Charlemagne the God, and the beautiful lady that y'all got up there. Good My morning. name is Ayana from San Antonio, Countdown City in Texas. What up, Ayana? Get it off your chest. First of all, I want to say thank you for giving us knowledge for investing and Uncle Charlotte for all the information he gives me on mental health because that's put me in a good position that I'm in now. That's great. Uh, what I want to get off my chest is uh, I'm tired of this job. I'm a truck driver. 
Um, and I'm tired of this job because I've been working for like a, a year trying to get my raise. I finally get my raise and then they cut my hours. Damn. So I'm like out here struggling, but we're going to make it work. All right. You in that truck now, brother? Nah, I'm not in the truck right now. I actually just got off, but uh, I, I wish I was so I could give you blow the horn for you. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> but uh, I want to know, y'all, if I can get like a signed copy of y'all's book. Yeah, of Both course. Of I got you. I don't have any more of mine up here right now, but I do have uh, State of Emergency by Tamika Mallory and Anita Kopax by Shallow Waters. Those are both my, off my book imprint, Black Privilege Publishing. I'll send you those. So, for sure, for sure. And if y'all can sign it for me, I already got shook one. I just would appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get him out to you. Hold on, okay? Hello, who's this? This is Kayla from Atlanta. Hey, Kayla from the ATL. Get it off your chest, mama. Uh, this one is for Charlamagne. Um, I just want to give a huge f*** you to Natalie Dunn for the way she talked about you on her live that day. I've been waiting a minute to talk about this because I didn't like it. She can't compete where she cannot compare. What you have done for your community and for your people is on a whole nother level and she, she could never even compare to you and it really makes me mad. Well, thank you. I just, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. God is good all the time. Thank you very much. Absolutely. DJ Envy, don't sweat that shit that you saying about you. I with you hard, body. All right. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Kayla. Y'all have Appreciate you, Kayla. All righty, Kayla. You gotta love <laughs> Kayla, right? <laughs> Get it off your chest. Hello? This Tootie from Detroit. Hey, Tootie. What up, though? Hey, yeah, so I wanted to get off my chest about this money, this government always talking about they running out of how is that possible when all they have to do is keep making more money? Like, and then when they say they owe, who do they owe? Like, how do you owe something? Like, I'm thinking it's going to be sitting all in a room somewhere. If everybody give all the money back. I don't know what you're talking about this morning, man. What are you talking about exactly? <laughs> like she said, deficit. how can we owe money when we can just they print keep money? They saying the deficit is going up and up. Like when I was in middle school, they used to say, we all owe your kids. Oh, how we all owe something that we ain't borrowed yet? Or who are you borrowing that from? Oh, you mean like America's in debt? The U.S. owes Yes. Money? Like who is they borrowing this money from? I have no idea. That's not my, that's not my, uh, that's not my lane. <laughs> I don't know what you talk. I don't know. I know the U.S. So I know the U.S. Debt. government. I know the U.S. government spends more money than it generates. So that's why the national yes, debt. That's, that's why the national I mean. debt keeps rising. But yes, that's what I mean. How do the national debt? So who are we supposed to pay all this money back to? Like, let's say everybody paid all the money back. Where the money gonna be at? Where's the money gonna in be at? Yeah, in the bank, in the room, or where's gonna be at? Who gives permission to like how they get? Oh yeah, and another thing, this is what I really want to say about it's, the Constitution. It's, it's I think with the U.S. Treasury Department. Why don't you? Google? I think the Constitution needs fifty-five new people to write it over. I agree with that. Not that 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 I agree. Yes, with. and that was back in seventeen whatever time. It's like it's new people and new colors of people. We need fifty-five now. How can we get a petition going on to do that? Now, I I definitely agree with that. I definitely think the Constitution needs to be updated tremendously. Get it off your chest. Eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. If you need to vent, phone lines are wide open. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's a new day. This is your time to get it off your chest. Wake up. Wake up. Whether you're mad or blessed. It's time to get up and get something. Call up now. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? This Too Tall from Detroit. Too Tall How from tall Detroit. How tall are you, Too Tall? Yes, sir. What's going on? Charlotte, what's going on? DJ What's your actual height, Too Tall? Yeah, how tall are you? Man, I'm 6'8", man. You know what I'm saying? So we standing tall around this spot. Okay, 6'8". And, and you can't play no basketball, huh? 
Man, sure, I played when I was younger, man, but everybody asked me why you don't play basketball. I'm like, man, I'm getting rich some other way. I don't got to run a basketball. Nah, you just tell them the truth. I'm trash. I'm tall and trash <laughs> on the basketball court. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. But y'all want to get off my chest, man. I don't know what the world coming to, man. Messing with Cash Money, Drake, and Birdman, and all that. Drewski, and, and especially BG, man. BG a legend. If people tell me, oh, you look zesty and stuff, I don't know what the world coming to, man. They better leave Cash Money Records over there alone, man, for them boys get on that New Orleans Magnolia Third World type stuff. You know well, what I mean? Well, Drewski's playing, bro. Those are skits and sketches. He just, he just he's a comedian. Man, you you think Birdman taking it like that? Because Birdman, yes, yes. he ain't playing. He man, Birdman is on the joke. Yes, Birdman is in on the joke. Everybody forget when Birdman and Drewski did that Instagram live together. Birdman is clearly in on the joke, bro. Ah, oh, man, all right, that went over my head. Well, it's been BG then, man. What's up with the, What's up with you talk about my man BG, man? He a gangster, man, a living legend. They better put some respect on his name, man. When, when you say For they, real? when you say they, you do realize you're just talking about a bunch of random commenters on the internet, right? Man, but those comments on the internet, the online stuff, that, you know, they, people taking it around with it, man. And you know what I'm saying? BG just come out, he got kids and family and all that stuff online, talking about he's dusty. But he's a gangster, man. And bro, I don't know what these young people... Bro, you got to stop looking into these Instagram commenters, bro. I cannot wait until y'all just put the phones down and stop worrying about what a bunch of and strangers I'm sure who BG, don't know y'all say, say about y'all. I'm sure BG don't care about people with no face talking about him. That man just came he home. He's just happy to be home. He's celebrating with his family. He about to get in the studio, get to, to some more music. I don't think he cares. Salute to BG. Right. And one more thing, hey Charlotte, have yes, you sir. ever made up with Lil Mama man for calling and you for the special Jesus pace? Christ, man, y'all listen. Lil Mama has been on Breakfast Club like five times since then. That's that. thirteen years ago, <laughs> yeah. man. Like literally. All right, man. Yes. Uh, oh, that's good, brother. That's good, man. That's well, man. It's a it's a pleasure being on here with y'all. It's hard to get through to y'all, man. Y'all need a, y'all need some more lines or something, man. Damn, we got it's hard, bro. But thank you for calling and checking in, All bro. right, brother. All right, have a good one, man. Y'all have a blessed day. You know what is? Th there's two things that people always say. They be like, yo, what's up with Charlemagne and Little Mama? And I'm like, Little Mama's been on the show several times after that. People always say, what's up with you and DJ Drama? I'm like, Drama's been on the show many times after that. But you know why, though? Because the, the way the internet moves, it's like, even though that happened 13 years ago, if you never saw it, mm -hmm. say you just saw it yesterday, it's new to you. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't realize that was 13 years ago. Yeah. Like you had, we had, we, the internet has these little moments in time where they, these, these frozen moments, these moments are suspended in time. Right. And so to us, we know the context. It was 13 years ago, but somebody might just see it and be like, oh, that happened yesterday. Right. You know, that's it. I get it. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. DJ Envy, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. The brother Black Thought. Welcome back. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How you feeling? Legendary Black Thought. Uh, I'm great. I'm great. I feel great this morning, man. You All put right. out an uh, amazing book. Thank you, brother. Called The Upcycled Self. The Upcycled Self. Uncycled Self. Upcycled Self. Upcycled Self. Yes, sir. What does that title mean? Um, you know, essentially, it's about, you know, putting... Those parts of our of our of ourselves of our of our past, you know, what I'm saying that are no longer going to serve us or no longer going to serve us in the same mm -hmm. way, to uh, to a different use, you know, what I'm saying to uh, a better use, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's what it's about, really. It's a it's a, mm -hmm. a self help memoir of sorts. Yeah, the art of becoming mm -hmm. who we are. I always yes, wonder yes, why does it take us 
so long to discover who we actually are. I mean, you know, it's a it's a, it's a process. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's it's valleys and peaks, and I think it's a, uh, you know, you 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 arrive at an understanding of who you are, you know, uh, over time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really no shortcut. You know what I'm saying? It's a, uh, it's a lot of people that that think you can go from A to Z, but you got to go B, C, D, E, F, G first. Mm-hmm. You know That's what right. I mean? yeah. And it teaches you too that you know uh, everything is parallel. Like there's really nothing behind you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and and this book is about that too. It's about, you know, accepting uh the present. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, living, uh being more intentional about about your presence. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's 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 where I'm at with it. Did you get a chance to to deal with something that makes me crazy is when people say, Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. All the trauma before you put it in this book, or was it some of it was releasing that trauma by writing this book? Yeah, a lot of the trauma, you know, it was it was addressed in during the process, you know, and that's that's what made it, you know, just. A, like this was my therapy it was really uh you know a cathartic sort of experience um and more so than i'd expected i mean you know you know your your history right, right but when it's laid out there you know what i mean when you have it on on the cue cards and you know what i mean and you're reading it uh uh you know in a linear sort of way mm-hmm. i mean it just hits different man it hits it hits differently and there was something that uh my co-author jasmine martin was able to uh to employ um, like a tool she was able to use during this process that um, it really hit me hard when I was reading one of the final drafts of the book. And it was, um, you know, she was able to, to speak. As a, as a, there's an aside section where you hear, uh, you know, um, my mother, like you hear mm-hmm. uh, my, my mother's perspective Oof. and uh, the way she was able to, uh, you know, just to approximate my mother's perspective and her voice. Mm-hmm. That's what really, really hit me hard um, in the process. You know? did, you have, did you have a question your faith as a kid growing up because you talk about so much death in your life and yeah. all the stuff that you've been through did you ever say you know what does this really exist is there really a, a, a God or whoever you believe it? did you ever question your faith at all I did yeah there's definitely been times you know when uh, you, uh, I've, I've questioned my my faith uh, you know or I mean just the, on the existential tip you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you know, if, if there's a God you know how could all of this you know loss and trauma and death uh you know exist 
It's some some of the stuff that I write about. Why, how how was the world this ugly if you made it in your image? Man. You know what I'm saying? That's one of my bars from a song called Dear God. But um, yeah, apt to answer your question, definitely. Now, how did you get that back? And the reason I ask is, if you don't know, when you read the book, you'll find out that you lost your father at a young age. You lost yeah. your mom at a young age as well. Yeah. Both Mur the both were murdered. Yeah, yeah, murder victim. So how did you get that faith back? Um, through the arts, visual art, which was my gateway, you know, into uh, music. And um and that's that's what really saved my life, you know what I'm saying? It was a game changer that I would have been on a com I was already on it. I was on that path. And you know, me meeting Quest Love when I did, which you know I talk about in the book, mm -hmm. um, and just getting on on that musical trajectory of, of the arts is, is what really saved me. Now, I know I know you was a, a, a baby when your your father was tragically murdered, but you mm -hmm. were a teenager when your your mother was. Were you able to process that pain in the moment? Or was that something that you dealt with as you got older? Yeah, I think it's something that I'm still dealing with. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely was not able to process it in the moment. Um, you know, no, ma no matter how hard I tried, right? You know, I wanted to feel all the emotion that, that you, you know, you expect you would expect one to feel mm -hmm. um, when you experience that sort of loss. But I mean, for me, it was, um, I mean, it took forever before I was even able to shed a tear Damn. about, you know, uh, my mother's murder, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think it's just because it was so many layers of, of callus and, and scar tissue to, to, to sort of work through. And that's what, that's what this book is about. It's about that armor that, you know, at one point in time, it might, it might serve as a defense mechanism. It might, you know, protect you. Mm -hmm. um, but as we move through life and you get into different spaces, you start to interact with different people. And, you know, you're now you in these different dynamics. Um, they no longer serve us in the same way. What about vengeance and revenge? Like, how do you, I was thinking how that do you ultimately let, let that go? Um, I mean, it did you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel I definitely feel like I have. Um, it's uh, that that was just a wise move. I think I I definitely came to to to, to understand um, as a young person when I was still a teenager that uh, you know holding on to uh, to 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 negative energy in that way, um, you know, it's as as that's as detrimental to you know the beholder as it is to whoever you're trying to project it upon. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, yeah. I've never really sat with. Uh, you know the whole the vengeance in in that way. You know what I mean. Um, as far like in the in, in my dad's case, uh, it was it, it's still a, it, it was never a, a solved murder, but in my mom's case, uh, you know they 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 apprehended someone shortly after, and uh, you know we went through the trial and everything, and you know he received the sentence, and then there was a mistrial of it all, and he was we had to sit through it again. So I sat through actually through my mother's murder trial twice Damn. you know and um but in that um you know once it once it was done it was something that uh, I, I had to let go of you know what i mean in order to for me to be able to move forward so and you still had love for for philly regardless of everything that happened yeah because yeah, that, that got to be tough too absolutely yeah yeah i have i have i absolutely have love you know for for philadelphia that's that's the place that made me but you know it's also it's one of those you know it can make you it could break you you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it's the city of brotherly love um that love has always been a tough love you know? All right, we got more with Black Thought. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Black Thought. Charlemagne, I was going to ask with the, with the Roots. When you guys created The Roots, when did y'all start making money? And the reason I ask is because it was new. Yeah. Like when, when, when The Roots came out, it was something that hip-hop hasn't seen on that platform or respected on that platform yeah so when did the roots finally break through and was like nah this is hip-hop's band i want to say um around you know, 2006 or so was it hard to always you know break into a market sell it to a promoter because 
I just remember the roots so early on and just like this is just so different and sometimes in hip hop different is hard to break through it was very hard for us it was um you know super difficult to uh, because we we didn't really look or sound or feel like any anything else that was that was happening so it was a lot of uh you know we always had to prove ourselves right and um and you know it, i mean it took so long for us to to even break even financially um and that's something that just came over time uh you know just paying those dues on the road you know what i'm saying like you start at one point touring and then you're able to sort of get your stock up just through when you keep coming back you know what i mean so we were able to sort of build on 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 that relevance and it was wild it was like when we finally hit a point you know 06 07 you know where we felt like yeah you know all of these years of of 200 plus days on on the road mm-hmm. started to pay off that's when uh you know there was a whole seismic shift in the way people started to receive you know people were receiving music and you know con- concert tickets and all that thing it was uh you know, we went through a, a revolution with the, uh, you know, streaming and that whole thing. So, um, and then that's when the, the Tonight Show opportunity presented itself. And that's what made it make sense. It was like, you know, we had just reached, finally reached, a, a, we hit a stride mm-hmm. and um, and everything was changing, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that in that uncertainty, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the consistency of, of the day job and that platform that it would... It would represent you know it, it looked really good was there a particular moment was it was it jay-z using y'all a lot or like was it a particular moment that caused that shift um you know when we started to, to make some bread yeah no, i mean it well, was and, just, and get recognized by enough to where the tonight show was like yo i want that to be not, well you know yeah and i think it was just over time man you know we um you know we've been around for some i mean blessed enough to have been mm-hmm. around for such a long time that you know, a, a good example is you know there's a, a a festival that takes place in 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 Denmark in Copenhagen um, every year. It's called Ross Guild, and uh, you know we started playing at Ross Guild um, before we were even you know allowed on the actual festival grounds. Like we were you know two tents you know out on the main strip, mm-hmm. right? And you know we, we we worked our way up from you know the outskirts to the tent you know right on the borderline to you know uh, you know third and fourth stages um until we came back and we were able to headline you know with it was the roots and bruce springsteen co-headlining that's dope you know um but yeah that was over you know i'm saying many years and it's like um ross gilda isn't the like we've done that around the world you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um just because we've been able to keep up appearances so um yeah you know uh, i guess we just paid our dues you know yeah and then once we got you know we got into late night and we started doing that thing it definitely represented a change in our career where we haven't been able to tour in that same way. So, um, yeah, everything that we had done up until that point, um, it, it's just been a blessing. And this is the sort of thing where we, we probably had taken it for granted and thought mm-hmm. we'd be able to do it forever, but, you know, here we are. Mm-hmm. And now, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just more of a blessing and just a greater opportunity when we do get to to go out and, and, and still touch the fans in that way. Now, now when you decided to write about the, the altercation, you had with Questlove, yeah, back in back in the '90s. Did you have to ask him if you could speak on that? No, I didn't have to ask him okay. um, because he he written about it in in, in one of his books gotcha, before. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it's the sort of thing that you know, like that's my brother, so I mean, I know if it's good or not, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, that's a, it's like to me, those are best relationships. Oh yeah, if yeah. you can have, if you can fight, yeah. and then get over it, yeah. Hey man, yeah, that's absolutely. Family. And you know, um, it really takes. It takes some. It takes love for somebody to be, to to get you that upset, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Only my my loved ones have ever really been able to get me that riled mm-hmm. up, right? Um, 
So it's, it's there's, there's something in that. But um, yeah, you know, I, I was I, we we were all kids at that point. Yeah. You know, now now I'm an adult, so I would I would I would have dealt with that situation in a completely different way. How long did y'all not speak? Um, I mean, we lived together. Maybe we didn't speak for the train ride home, but it's like <laughs> you know, once we got back to the you flat, had to talk. Yeah, we had like, to talk. Right, right, yeah, right. No escaping. And, it. I, and how was that? That had to be uncomfortable, awkward. Those when like, bro. Yeah, it was. De- it was definitely. You know, it was awkward. It was uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing that um, I would laugh about. You know, almost most immediately. Like that's just where I come from. And the name, the name Black Thought. Yeah. Where, where, where exactly did that derive from? It it uh, it derived from. Um, you know the, my 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 time as a visual artist, and uh, you know just dealing with paints and mm-hmm. you know just the color palette. Um, I realized that you know so much more went into um, you know arriving at the color black. You know what I mean? Uh, than than one would think. There's mm-hmm. so many different nuances and colors, other colors that go into you know arriving at the color black. So that's sort of what it what it began as, um, and over time um, it's it's evolved into something you know that has taking far far greater meaning you know both I guess to me and and to you know to you know people who, who support me so um yeah at the time I didn't think it, you know I wasn't thinking of black thought as the concept mm-hmm. of a people you know what I'm saying um but that's sort of what it what it's come to mean absolutely yeah well man black thoughts book man that's right the yeah. upcycled self the upcycled, the upcycled self, self. Yes, yes, yes we appreciate you for joining us and what do you want people to get out of this book if they if they can get one thing out of it what do you want them to get out of this book um you know if 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 one person is able to see themselves and you know to better understand themselves or better understand you know their path their their lived experience if this is going to be you know an entree into someone else being able to start to work through their stuff and you know shed some of those layers of of armor that are no longer useful you know what i mean um those layers of of callus and and, and scar tissue then uh yeah then it's, it's it's a win and i've already you know experienced that you know i've already had some of those conversations so i, I feel this book has already been helpful all right and y'all didn't get nominated for a grammy this year did you i did i got he nominated for a, grammy a couple of days ago yeah, yeah. 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 congratulations Black Thought. Oh, the album. Yeah, I, no, acapella, acapella, not even with a beat. Wow, just, just the voice. Okay. Love it. Bars. Wow. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah. Love, love letter to hip hop. Yeah. How, how did that feel? Um, it feels awesome. It feels okay. it, it felt awesome. And it's I your first even, solo. Yeah, okay. like I, in that moment, I didn't really realize it until you know my homies started telling me like, yeah, you know, it's wild. Like this is you know your first Grammy nomination. You know what I mean? Like outside of the roots. Mm-hmm. And then um another homie hit me and was like, Yo, would it be wild if you win this joint? Like, that's a flex. You ain't even need music, you know? <laughs> so I was like, Yeah, and I started to, yeah, I sat with it like, all right, yeah, yeah. You wrote yeah, some yeah. bars for that just to get just because I'm with yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Do you still do you, I don't want to say need it, but do you do you like that type of validation? I do. I do. I I, I still appreciate that that mm-hmm. that sort of validation. You know what I mean? Um that's not, you know, what I do it for, mm-hmm. but um it definitely uh yeah, I mean it it feels it's it's, it's great to be recognized, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, it's Black Thought. We appreciate you pick up his book, The Upcycled Self, and it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with the Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, if you're just joining us, we're talking about uh, a situation that comes out of Blueface and Krishan's relationship. Now, Blueface allegedly took a DNA test. Uh, 
secretly and it proved that he is not the father of their child so we're asking is it disrespectful to ask for a dna test and is it even more disrespectful to secretly do one and you got to say we don't know for sure if like that dna test and what he said is real yeah we said that's what i said allegedly okay. mm-hmm. yeah so i mean he's saying he took it and it's not his but we don't know for sure yeah, exactly. yeah it don't even matter about them no yeah let's, let's let's talk about the situation yeah so that is the question so how would you feel if if you were dating somebody you, you were pregnant and a dude got a dna test and you didn't know how serious are we like locked in or are we just like having fun does it matter yeah yes it does matter so. If we just having fun and like we are honest about the fact that we're dating other people and that happened, I would have to respect it. I would want you to be able to just know me and trust me, but I would have to respect it because we are obviously dealing with other people. And I would expect you to get a DNA test. That'd be the first thing I'd do. If it was just a girl that I was out here having fun with and she got pregnant, the first thing I'm going to do is say, let's get a DNA test. But even if you're in a relationship and you feel possibly that baby is not yours, you wouldn't tell the person because that ruins the whole relationship. Oh, that relationship ruins the trust. That ruins crazy. everything. From but you might want to know, right? Because what's the first thing usually a guy's mama say? That baby don't look like you. If the baby said that baby don't look like you. But you also know, too, as a guy, what you're doing and how often you're doing it and how locked in y'all are. So, like, yeah, but you don't know how often the woman is doing it and how much, you know, they could be doing if it. If y'all are under each other all the time, though, like... That don't mean... Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Really? No. Women are like cats. Men are like dogs. <clears throat> See, men when they go out there and cheat, they get you know they 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 do it in the open in front of everybody. Like you be driving you you driving down the the road, you then past the yard and seeing two dogs stuck together. You ain't never seen two cats having sex with each other Mm-mm. ever. Yeah. That's why men are like dogs, women are like cats. You're smarter. So I don't think it's disrespectful. No sneakier. I don't think it's disrespectful, you know, to go do what, uh, you know, Blueface did. You know, you can't tell people trust their intuition, trust their gut. And then when they do tell them they're being disrespectful, because if a man sneaks and does it and he's right about not being the father, being mad at him for sneaking and getting a DNA test, that's just a deflection. That's even true. if the woman, that ain't nothing but a deflection. But that's even right. if the woman really thought that he was a father. Yes. But yeah. like she it's not like she's pinning a kid on you. She just really thought you were the father. Did you put the other uh, options on the table? Yeah, you should have put the other options on the table. Did you pinning the kid on you? Did you put the other options on the table? You didn't say it could be say, hey, I'm I slept with other people. Person, yeah. I we I'd said that in the beginning. I said if we're just having fun and I'm sleeping with no, other people. No, but what people. if you're not just having fun? You in a, what if you're in a relationship? But you did creep off. Well then that's messed up. Of course, that's messed up. So well, you can't be mad at a person for having some intuition and feeling like they should go get a DNA test. Not at all. Hello, who's this? Hello, hey, this is Jayla. Hey, Jayla, good morning. Talk to us. What's your thoughts? So, I don't think it's disrespectful at all to ask for a DNA test. It is disrespectful to get one behind the parent's back, but you could just straight up ask for one. And if they deny 
the the dad getting the DNA test, then you know they can take them on the court. I think you got to protect your peace, man. I, I get what you're saying, but you know, asking for a DNA test is going to start a whole other a argument. Whole you know what I'm saying? Household, correct. So, so I, I would much rather let me go do this on my own. You but know? if you do it on your own, and then the kid is not yours, and you decide to stay, do you then have to have a conversation about the fact that you snuck? Like it's a whole thing. No. No, because the reason you stuck was true, regardless of but what happened. But you decide to stay. You're not going to. It doesn't matter, but you, know, you lie. You're not going to say nothing to the woman? I, I would be. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that can't happen, but I think it's very rare to find a man who snuck and did a DNA test, found out the kid wasn't his, and said, I'm just going to keep this to myself. I don't know. It's cold. People need heat in a high bed. You stupid. D. Yes, yes. D. What's your thoughts, D? This happened to me. My thoughts is. It's not disrespectful to ask for a DNA test, but it's disrespectful as hell. Oh, excuse my language, but it's disrespectful to go behind my back and spot my child without my, without me knowing. Very disrespectful. I feel like whether we messing around or not, and I say it's your baby and you believe it, then he's like, let's go for it. If you don't believe it, let's get a test. Like, you teach him simple. Be real. Well, technically, well, technically, I'm not just swabbing um your child. I'm swabbing my child because it's still <laughs> our child until I find out it's not. Right, but, but, but what is the actual problem of doing it with me around as well, or just because I don't want to go through the beef? You know, you know, good and well, you're not gonna take that well if a no. man comes to you and be like, I'm gonna put you out. I'm gonna throw your clothes out. Anyway, no, you're not. You're only gonna go through the beef if the, if I find out the child is not mine. That's but if right. the child is ours, I ain't gonna never and say anything. No issue. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, like, what's the problem of just saying, like, yeah, I don't feel like this baby is mine. You know what the problem like, is. Uh, <laughs> uh, he looking a little like that other. He looked like the other. <laughs> hey, that's the problem. That would make it even worse. If you say that to me, you better gotta, be ready go for it. I see, unless your kid's old enough and they'd be like, Mommy, uh, why did Daddy put that Q-tip in my mouth today? Then now you're in trouble. <laughs> now you're in trouble. There is re- there is no woman on earth that's going to take that well. No. A no, man coming no. to her saying, I don't think this baby is mine. Can we get a DNA test? And he looked like the other one. It's cr- on, that. The we- only way a woman takes that well is if y'all not, not in a relationship. If y'all was just sleeping around with each other and, you know. It was still be found. It was still be found. No, I don't think so. Even yes, then, it it's like she so. can't. It, you can't really be mad about it, but you still would be like, be damn. Fine. If she says the child like is that? yours and, and, and you're like, well, I want to get a test. If yes. we just sleeping around, if we don't have no relationship, if we don't know each other, I don't think that's the issue. You got to be practical and you cannot be upset. But in the in, inside and in her group chat, she going to be like, y'all know he asked me for it. Like, she going to feel a little way a little bit. Hello, who's this? Hello, this is Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Talk to us. What's your thoughts? So I'm big on telling everybody, like, get a DNA test, get a DNA test. It's mama's baby, daddy's baby. So whether y'all together no matter what's going on, a DNA test should be had. Nobody should have to sneak into it because it should already be something that's discussed. And that's something you should talk about before you even have a kid with a person. I want to make sure this is my baby. I'm going to get a DNA test. Yeah, you know, I just thought about something too. Like, you know, if, if you go to a woman and you ask for a DNA test, if she knows that it's a possibility the baby may not be hers, she probably would get highly, highly upset. Cause you only go, you, you, it's two things gonna happen. You gonna get highly upset because you know the baby may not be his, or you gonna get highly upset because he asked you. But if he asks you and you know it's his, you probably just gonna be just sitting back waiting to give him that little smirk, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now what? But that's why mm-hmm. he was that's so why on I point. Get mad, mm-hmm. like I begged my baby daddy. I was like, please, can you get a DNA test? 
Like, I tried to lie to him and everything. Like, it's a possibility. I don't know. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Then you play too much. So you play too much. You want me to hate you. No, I'm going to tell you why I did it, though. My baby daddy, my baby daddy is from the country in South Carolina. What part? And he feels as if he don't have to do anything because it's not proof that it's his. What part of South Carolina he from? Monk's Corner. He's from Dillon. Oh, no, okay. Dillon. Yeah, that's country, country. So he feel like he don't got to do nothing without proof. So when I was putting them on child support, I'm like, just get a DNA test. Just get one. Just get one. And you know, child support, they ask you, like, do you want to get one? He would not get one. And he finally confessed, like, I already knew it was mine. I ain't had no doubt about it. I'm like, you still should have got one just for your security. Like, that black and white paper would have made you feel a whole lot better. That's right. Mm. Well, thank but you, Mama. he would not get one. Well, but I so feel much. like everybody should get one. I got five brothers. I be telling my brothers all the time. You don't know what these women do? That's right. Even married people, y'all think, should do this as well, too? No. No, not married people. No. If you're just in a relationship with somebody and y'all not committed or if y'all just sleeping around... Yeah, I want that piece in my life. I don't want to have to go through this. Nah. But yeah. I think any any time you have any intuition, any inkling that it may not be yours, get a DNA test. I agree. Hello, that feeling for a reason. Hello, who's this? Yo, what's up, Gerard? Hey, what's up, Gerard? Talk to us, brother. Man, I used to work with a guy, right? Mm-hmm. He found out his daughter was a heel when he was like, "Where you going?" She said, "She slipped up and said, I'm going to see my daddy." Ooh. And he was like, "What?" So. You have to get a DNA test. I heard in Memphis, she's on a mandatory DNA test. Once the, once the woman have the baby, huh? they don't have a DNA test. What you that is? are not. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. Goodbye. What the hell is that? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is what I said earlier. If you have any, you know, inkling or, you know, your instincts is telling you, eh, it may not be yours. What's wrong with getting a DNA test? Moral can also be just pull out. What are you talking about? Don't oh get my. pregnant by oh somebody that's going to have to question you. You will get pregnant soon if you go in with the pullout method. Yeah, just, that, why? Why what? I'm just saying. We, we, <laughs> I want you to get on this radio sometimes and defy Delaware stereotypes. <laughs> we call it dirty Delaware. And all you do every time you get the opportunity to death host on Breakfast Club is reinforce the dirty Delaware stereotype. If you are talking and it about feels even dirtier coming from a woman. They're not using condoms if the, if the person is potentially pregnant. So you're not going to use them. Dirty Delaware. That way you're not going to use Guys. Oh. Don't be like that. Don't, 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 don't with that. Discuss. I don't like that. All right. This is the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Our special guest host, Chris Kalen, is here. What's up? And we got some special guests in the building. Our guy, yeah. Nick Cannon, is here. Yes. With a special guest, Klondike Blonde. Blonde. We, we got a future superstar in the building. Yeah. Right. Yes, Nick, we ain't seen you all year. No. But we've seen him, but he hasn't been here. But he's been doing every damn thing out there. Yeah, yeah. How you you been, brother? I mean, I'm good, man. I'm excited about, you know, obviously here to talk about the new show that we're launching on BET VH1. But just working, man. You know how it goes. Just the grinds. Doing my morning show thing, too. So that's Mm -hmm. probably why I really ain't been able to be up here. Yeah, Future Superstar. Speaking of Future Superstars, how you feel about your son being a better rapper than you? Ah. (laughs) still amazing. (laughs) Yesterday, we played this verse. (laughs) We played his eight bars. He was going in. He was going in. Who you think talk? Well, I see no. I ain't gonna. I don't want none of my wax sauce to get on him. So I'm letting. <laughs> I, 
Keep doing all right. I'm falling back. Now, somebody said he offered the ghost right for you. Yeah, he should. Nah, my son is amazing, man. And like seeing, like, the, you know, when them young kids really got the natural swag, like, I'll be, he be putting me up on the new game and stuff. And he, the dope thing is he's a rapper, but he's also a producer, too. So he's really into that space of like making beats and DJing and gaming and all that stuff. If he wants to do that, I see he, he really got it. He, Y'all see him rocking them stages. Absolutely. He's doing it every night yeah. on tour with his mom. So that's pressure, though, right? Because Nick Cannon is his dad, Mariah Carey. See, there's no pressure of being Nick Cannon's. You're still a superstar. Not, no, a superstar. no, I'm, I'm like, but now being Mariah's daughter and singing. Yes, right. true. Right. true. That's true, the pressure. True, true. So that's why even with Monroe, we got her doing things like, like I taught her how to play guitar. We still work. I wanted to have other aspects. She really wants to be an actress too. Mm -hmm. She's talking about she wants to go to the Yale Drama School and, and make sure like if she really. Gets like she's taking it serious. Like mm -hmm. she's already talking about you know getting her her degree in in theater at Yale. So like just trying to you know as a father trying to really guide them in a direction. And we never pushed it on them, but the fact that now they're really starting to embrace it as they get into the teenage mm -hmm. world, really want to cultivate it. So I'm, I'm proud of them, man. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Now you do a skit with one of your child's moms. Yes, a lot. Yeah. Now any other child mom be like, why you do so many skits with? Well, her? it's interesting because like I mean everybody kind of got their lane. So like uh, on my morning show, uh, the Daily Cannon, Daily Cannon, I have you know one of the mothers of my children. She's in radio. She mm -hmm. DJ Abby De La Rosa. So. That's kind of her space. So our social commentary and daily conversation, that's her lane. Bree is on Selling Sunset and like kind of like a social media guru and stuff. So that's her lane. So And everybody even behind the scenes, like, you know, some of them have like foundations and we do a lot of philanthropic work. You'll see that some are literally like doctors and writing op-eds and thesis. So you'll be able like the people that are specifically the mothers of my children that I have in my life. I try to cultivate whatever it is that they're into and mm -hmm. even kind of goes all the way back to the business of like future superstars. Like I feel like I'm in that season. I'm in my era of just helping others and, and kind of amplifying whatever it is that they got going. And sometimes you it just happened to be my that. baby mama. Yeah, yeah, that's always been your thing though. Nah, Absolutely. nah. I mean, you, know, you too. Man, you, you don't get enough credit for all that you do you know, helping people and putting them on and allowing them to shine. So I feel like we, we're kind of those guys that get to say, all right, if we see something in somebody, we can kind of put the mechanisms around them to allow them to do their thing. Pray, all praises to God. There yeah. it is. Now, Klondike Blonde, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Ray. How are you? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. <laughs> now, now, where did the concept for future superstars come from, Nick? And, and why Klondike Blonde? Why did, why her specifically? I mean, if you... She's the GOAT. She's okay. the GOAT. Uh, she, she, her vibe is punk rock rap. Like, And if you okay. saw her episode that actually just aired you know, uh, this week, is really... These people have compelling stories. If we remember what VH1 was always about, was like we saw the behind the music, mm -hmm. and it was really like telling the story. Sometimes... You know, it was a, a retrospective story, but now it's like these are the origin stories. So this is like before the music. This is in her journey, man. I mean, everything that she's gone through in life uh, from, you know, there's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of things where her music helps with her anxiety and to be able to kind of create your own genre. We went on this tour and I just wanted to highlight and tell the stories of these people that are just more than musicians mm -hmm. because we didn't we don't have that no more. We don't have other than platforms like y'all have but we came up with VH1 behind the music and mm -hmm. you know uh, 106 in Park and all that. so I feel like we can now still be those curators to help this next generation because I just got frustrated as somebody who has a label and has artists and like yo what happened to that promo run what happened to mm -hmm. putting people on on the road coming into radio stations playing their song meeting PDs and shaking hands kissing babies all of that type of stuff and we did that I started the, the tour with Live Nation and then I put the cameras on it and you know now we got 
you know, a tour, a TV show. They on the cover of Vibe magazine. It's like so now it's like this is like that that starter kit of like all right, the way Double XL mm -hmm. has the freshman cover, but now we got the cover of the magazine, we got the tour, we got the TV show. So if you see one of these acts, they literally gonna become you know the next superstar. What you just said is why I feel like it's hard to build superstars nowadays. One, you don't. Everything is so microwavable. You know what I mean. Everybody mm -hmm. wanted, wanted now, and then when they don't want it no more, they on to the next thing. Right. But if you know someone's story, if you know what she went through, mm -hmm. if you know you know her relationship, you know with her family and the, and the things that you know how close she is with you know her brother was a, a, a one of her biggest fans and had a tragic accident and now she's doing it for her brother. If you know that the songs that you know why she has all the tattoos is connected to growing up in a trap house and her mom and dad being teenagers. Like when you know that about somebody mm. when you hear their music you're like okay I'm connected now and right. I feel like this generation of kids they, they're figuring it out through their phones and mm -hmm. social media but it's never amplified you never get to see it at a level uh, to where you know hopefully we doing with super uh, future superstars so like what you being from Raleigh North Carolina the south how did you get discovered because it seems like no one really looks for us down south exactly especially so, in the Carolina right right so the thing is I did move to Cali when I was 12 okay so, um, but this was in the Bay Area. Even in the Bay Area, I couldn't really, like, get my name out there like I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I turned 18, I moved to Atlanta. Because I knew, like, growing up, I knew that was the spot, like, to be, like, to get discovered and to pop off your career. So that's really how I got discovered in Atlanta. What about the name? Klondike Blonde. Honestly, it came out of my ass one day. I was really high. <laughs> what? Yeah. It came out your ass one day? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Some like ice cream? Too many Klondike bars? Yeah, right? Like, what happened? Out of nowhere. Like, I had just cut my hair and bleached it blonde, oh, and cool. I was about to upload my first song. I'm looking in the mirror high as hell, and I'm like, I'm not finna upload this song under my government name. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It just came to me. I was like, Klondike Blonde, this is it. So, I really, I uploaded the song. I put the name as Klondike Blonde, and it just stuck. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. What did you find, little Nick? What, 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 I mean, nigga? well, honestly, it's, uh, you know, she's kind of truncating her story a little bit, but she was on the grind for a minute and actually had a song that went super viral. A lot of people already, uh, uh, the, her drip record went crazy, like 20, 30 million strings. And I heard, like, my kids were singing it off of TikTok. And I'm like, I just, one of them annoying ass songs <laughs> like I'm back on my drip annoying I mean damn, like, damn, damn. I, mean, like, oh, I didn't I, know about like I see my kids singing it like okay. what is this damn yeah. song and they're like and you gotta make sure it's not something inappropriate yeah, yeah. and it's like oh this joint is crazy and then through our connection you know uh, through Frisco Chuck and the Bay and everything she they uh, who runs incredible music was like yo 
this is this is that record and then we met her and knowing that she was already moving mm-hmm. as I was like yo this she's a superstar like when she walked in the room I'm like that's a star right there mm-hmm. and then from there I was putting together the future superstar tour and we were like yo we could probably make this work and you know me I'm always thinking TV shows, movies, mm-hmm. products, and all that, and she embodied everything that we was trying to put together with that that young energy. The fact that she already had something that was popping, and really just wanted to cultivate. Like, yo, when you see somebody, I was like, all right, we gonna tweak it like this. We gonna take all that viral sensation and yeah. put something on it. And I was like, yo, she's a rock star. So we've been going with this punk rock rap movement that she created. Do you feel like you had your I made it moment yet? I feel like I accomplished everything I said I was going to do as a kid, but being here and seeing that like I accomplished those things, I still see that I have way further to go. So I don't think in my head that like I'm where exactly where I need to be. But you're definitely on the right track. Though. But I'm on the right yeah, track. Yeah, you definitely. We almost there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, we got more with Nick Cannon and Klondike Blonde. When we come back, it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. All right, welcome back. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Nick Cannon and Klondike Blonde. Now, we taped this interview yesterday, so Chris Kalen was here. Charlemagne? Why, why did you uh, just focus on music, though, with Future Superstars, Nick? I think we're going to... I mean, you, that's just the first show that I rolled out. Okay. You're going to see a lot more stuff. I mean, obviously, in the space of, you know, comedy is where, you know, we, we get off really well. And, you know, platforms like Wild and Out has birthed so many stars. Mm-hmm. So I don't... I'm, I have that place where I can implement social media stars and and even comedians and actors because Wild and Out is going to continue to go and do do what it needs to do. So I feel like I have that lane. And again, part of the music thing for me was people didn't know that I. There's a lot of people like Nick Cannon does music, and then then so the fact is like, see this mother <laughs> over here. When I, even just the word music, like before I was rapper, right now music now is like. <laughs> This side. <laughs> music is something that every project, all of my successful projects, Charlemagne, have music in them, and I'm you a did music. You do a music. good gospel song with yeah. Kim Burrell. It, no, it, it would not. It would keep Kiki Shear. Kiki Shear. Because I was lying. <laughs> I lied. I, tried, I just was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do them like that. And I, I'm, I'm not, not even talking about <laughs> being a <laughs> artist. That's what I get for lying. <laughs> so, like, mass singer. Mm-hmm. America's Got Talent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All music-based stuff. Mm-hmm. Wildin' Out. Every like, and I, I gotta say this all the time. I make all the music on Wildin' Out, mm-hmm. but it's just like people just they see the aspect of, of like drumline. Like every like everything that I do has a, a musical vibration to it. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know for whatever reason because the motherfuckers like this the narrative mm-hmm. is that I haven't been successful have nothing to do with me it, it, you're, the, you're the culprit <laughs> no, it's, it's you oh, by the way I only say rap I don't feel I don't no no they just said music you see how the comedian <laughs> will yeah. like, I'll take the rap plays the clip back like but now it's like that now I'm not now I'm not successful in music like not, well, but, people don't know those things though but that's why that's the yeah, whole purpose yeah. of future superstar and itself like we joking we friends and shit like that but it really is educating people to the space of like yo I've been a music executive for over 20 years but do you think you, you overworking we, we know you had uh, health issues before yeah but you it, it don't seem like you slowed down it seemed like that made you work harder it like, gave me more I mean the clock started ticking faster like it gave me like yo I, I really had to get serious in that sense of like yo alright let's it's bandwidth more than anything mm-hmm. it's like alright I got a lot to do you know God ain't done with me he, he's he's blessed me with the opportunity to have gone through some real shit 
And now it's like, all right, now let's get your health together. Let's lock in and really focus and make the most of your time. So every day that I wake up healthy and don't hurt, it's like, I got to get to it. Like, that's the blessing in itself. So, Did you really think, like, the end was near? Hell yeah. Especially, like, during that time, it got dark. Like, during, like, you know, 2012 to even, like, 2016, because I didn't know. And I couldn't get this right. So every time I got one thing right, like, I get a, a blood clot here or a pulmonary embolism. I couldn't, like, my lungs. Like, so once I got to this space of like all right i've figured out you know how to stay healthy and mm -hmm. how to stay alive then it's like that's the constant reminder of like you got to do something with this you got to turn your pain into purpose and mm -hmm. and for me that became helping others like and mm -hmm. you know you you go through this this spiritual transition of like all, right, all the things that feed me are probably not the best for me but when i'm feeding others that's when I feel the healthiest. That's mm -hmm. when I feel the the drive to do. So now I live in that space. I'm like, all right, what can I do to to make the world a better place? What can I do to to lend a hand to the next artist? And you know, that's you know, that's that that's that healthy journey for me to where it gives me that drive because I don't feel like I'm busy. I don't feel like I'm doing too much. I feel like, yo, this is this is my calling. This is where I'm supposed to go with it. So you know, hopefully, however many more years I got left, I'll keep rocking. Was that the reason you started having so many kids? People say that. I don't know. Like, I if, if I if I took the spiritual I think aspect, you might have said it in an interview or joked around. And I was joking. I think you probably said it, it here. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, but it, I, if I'm being serious, it wasn't like I set out to do it. It probably got to that space of like, I value being a father. I value life. So I was I was never against the concept. And if we want to have deeper conversations about, you know, like what I talk about in, in therapy and even as as men, it's like there are those times and we've been, you know, I've called it access to excess. I have the ability That's right. mm -hmm. to right. to do my thing and mm -hmm. pro and and a lot of others probably I, I could I could have stopped, you know, and and or even not had the children, but I I was welcoming the idea of it and was never against it. People say or people's opinions about me is none of my business, and and if anything, I take that that low frequency energy and shift it to where it's like, all right, keep talking because I'm doing the work. How you how are you Wait handling minute, Christmas? Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> is it is it low frequency energy if people say Nick, why don't you wear condoms? <laughs> Man, that low frequency, okay. Who told you I don't wear condoms, Charlamagne? But the condoms you using, you need the suit. You using condoms, you need the suit. But how do you handle Christmas? I mean, I joke. I'm saying, oh, I'm Saint Nick and everything, but it, it's really structured in a way to where those I kind of take that week and turn it into Christmas week. Okay. You know, and 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 there is because I'm traveling and flying. Like I'm trying to be every, everybody, and even Thanksgiving was the same way. I was in five, six different Thanksgivings at a time because it's not, it's my mom's Damn. house, it's my grandmother's house. What do you say, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Why do I mean, how long is dinner? Like, yeah, you gotta be there that Y'all play spades, I'm out to the next house. <laughs> do you eat? I mean, I mean, I, I take everybody, you know, everybody cook different. So, yeah. like, <laughs> I take one thing from every house, yeah, yeah, and by the time yeah, you, you know, get to the last house, my, you got the whole My bit. white baby mom, I'm not really eating that for <laughs> time. But, oh my God. <laughs> It's different between pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie. <laughs> now, one of your baby moms, Bree, she said, how you juggle your 12 kids for the holidays is your problem. And I, I don't see it as a problem. I think she was saying, like, that's, it is, but it's, I don't involve her. Like, but she, I feel like the baby moms got to make it easy for you, too, right? They do. Yeah. And that's what, I, like I said, I give them credit to where, like, even in the, the process of, like, they say this is what we want. And it's everything from Christmas pictures to 
sled riding, the pictures with Santa or experiences. Like I make sure that every kid who wants to do something or we have certain things set up, we make time to go do it. So mm -hmm. I'm all over the damn place, but it's fun. I mean, y'all see my IG, you see me like we having a ball like I, you know how much money i spend at disneyland a year uh, we can I imagine mean, <laughs> <laughs> i got six so i i, I can't imagine what? No, the, the crazy thing is because i used to host christmas morning at disneyland right. and so i used to get that disney bag like it was like and it was there were perks so all of that stuff was free it's no longer free huh? it's no longer free and i only had two kids then so like to be 12 so and every birthday chris like i'm literally at disneyland at least once a month and to move around disney like i probably i'm probably spending two hundred thousand dollars a year at disney sheesh at Disneyland. Yeah, because you got to pay for the chaperone. You got all the of that. Well, first of all, yeah, Disneyland is expensive yeah, already. Absolutely. Absolutely. Top. Like, That's if you're right. trying to stay in the hotel, and mm -hmm. now it's, it's not how it used to be. Like, you got to make reservations yep. and Jeez. stuff like that. So, to sp I'm spending $200,000 a year at Disneyland. Dang. They need to give you, like, a membership or something. I used to be an employee. That's what I'm saying. Like, I used to, I'm like, Mickey, can you hook me up? Like, can, I, can I get my job back? That's what job I need back. But is any woman that, that, that you have a child with did they feel like they were gonna stop you from doing that and you were gonna be the one did y'all ever have I that know, conversation them i mean the the women in, in my life are so amazing they they are elevated in the sense that they never tried to change me they knew what it was and it wasn't like it was just a process because all of them started off as true companions mm -hmm. and i look at them now it's like those are the people i talk to like that's my circle that's who i that's who i go to when i'm having issues because the world a lot of times is against us so like we gotta stick together in the sense of like I gotta protect them and they gotta protect me even not to generalize them as a group but just mm -hmm. individually those are the people that I go to when I'm depressed when I'm f***ed up relationship or not alright we got more with Nick Cannon and Klondike Blonde when we come back it's the Breakfast Club good morning alright welcome back morning everybody it's DJ NV Charlamagne the guy we are the Breakfast Club we're still kicking it with Nick Cannon and Klondike Blonde now we taped this interview yesterday so Chris Kalen was here and I got a question Does <clears throat> Nick want to get married? Do you look at? Do you see nah, marriage in I'll the never future? Get married. Never again? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, because last time I got, I, I used my words incorrectly. Last time we was having conversation, I'll be forgetting the mics is on it, and I said it was a Eurocentric concept. Mm -hmm. What it, what I really meant is the colonial aspect of marriage it's it's a business mm -hmm. and i've been in that business before mm -hmm. i don't want to be in that business no more it's so much paperwork i don't want the government to be involved with my love life i shouldn't have to have a a legal document or a contract to let someone know how much i care for them now i want to be their protector and their provider it's kind of like the child support system mm -hmm. if you take care of your children there's no need for paperwork mm -hmm. because it, this is, I want I want my kids to have everything that I own. I want I don't want them to go without at all. I want them to live an abundant life. So I don't need the government to tell me the minimum that I need to pay because I'm gonna give them the maximum. Mm. So same thing with love and marriage. If I f with you for life, I don't need to be binded by a, a contract or a ring. And therefore, that's in the way those contracts are des designed. That's from a Roman Catholicism approach of how we do it. There's ways to have unions and covenants and marriages through so many other philosophies in life. Specifically, you know, in our African community from the diaspora, they do it differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm learning and understanding those processes, but I know you go over to, to the continent, it ain't about contracts. It ain't about paperwork and rings. It's like, nah, this is, this is my wife, this is my wife, and however that moves around. So, the concept of 
the American society mm-hmm. marriage, I'll never do that again. But the, who's to say I can't find a life partner that I'm I'm a rock with? I'm we you know like I'm we in that state where it's like. By the time I'm in my 60s, I want to be on an island or a top of a mountain in yeah. Tibet somewhere with somebody I could rock with forever. So I'm looking at told like, me, that. like Kevin Lyles actually told me a long time ago. He said, "I can't tell you to get married, but I can tell you you should always have somebody to share your experiences with." Yeah, I f- with that heavy. Mm-hmm. Like that, I I can see myself doing that. And then the fact like people are like, oh, "Aren't you worried about getting lonely?" Like I got. Okay, <laughs> ain't never gonna be lonely. Somebody coming over, like. But even with that, that's scary too, though, right? Because I, I read something where it said you spend seventy percent of all the time you're ever going to spend with your kids between one and eighteen. That's and crazy. When, when you think about it, that's probably true. Yeah. Like how many times you probably seen your parents as you get a, as, an, as become an adult and you're out in the world trying yeah. to figure things out. And then even when you think about like the time that they spend at school and sports and stuff like there's other people are with your children throughout the day more than you are. And I'm learning that too because I'm trying to be present at all of these games and you know, I'm I'm picking them up from school and knowing the teachers and spending time at the recitals and it's like I want them to at least see my presence there because I know there's going to be a time where I'm on a film set for two months. There's Mm going to be a time where I'm on tour over here. Mm -hmm. So I want them to see me every free time that I can because when you think about the person with the average person with a nine to five from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., they are under the supervision of a completely different adult. Mm-hmm. And then even by the time you get get to work, you tired, they tired, you might get to see your kids, what, from six to eight? Mm-hmm. And then y'all sleep. And then again, like, so like mm-hmm. the average, because I'm, I'm with my with my therapist, we've done the 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 math on it, the average time that a parent spends with their kids a day is less than three hours. And then when you think about like, that's why weekends are so important. That's why vacations are so important because that's when they really get to know you. And that's when you really get to, it's all, it's about the qualitative approach and it's really about creating as many core memories in that amount of time that you possibly When your therapist talks about average parent, he ain't talking about you, right? No, because clearly, that's oh, what okay. saying. Like, but, but that's what to me. I'm trying to go above and beyond when it comes to that that parenting aspect because I'm trying to create the best core memories as possible. Because mm-hmm. core memories can be in a positive light or in a negative light. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I don't never and that that's all about keeping your word. That's all about managing expectations. Because if I tell my kids something, I'm gonna make sure I do it. And and you know, obviously, I have a, a strong support team to help me accomplish a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, as is. As important as it is to sit back and analyze these things through therapy. Uh, and I mean, something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. 
Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You know this very well. It's like 
you're constantly trying to grow. Absolutely. You're constantly trying to figure out how Absolutely. can I be a better dad, right. in, considering the circumstance. I saw them ask Eddie Murphy, too, to give you some advice. Did you see that? I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for the advice. <laughs> <laughs> he gave absolutely nothing. No, no, no. He's like, I ain't got no advice to help me. He got 12 kids. All he said is love him. Yeah, I passed Eddie quick, too, because yeah. he was... I, I look up to the Eddie Murphys, to the Bob Marleys, to the Muhammad Ali's, to all, to the Dr. Sabies, to all of these people who have giant families and mm -hmm. providing for them all and mm -hmm. all of their, when you talk to anybody in Muhammad Ali's camp, anybody in the Marley family, anybody, they love their father so much. Mm -hmm. And they like, man, my father was amazing. Like that, I, I hope and pray people look at me the way, uh, or my children look at me the way that Eddie's children look at him. I hope and pray that, you know, the way that people admire Muhammad Ali as the mm -hmm. father that he was. Like that's hopefully, you know, 10, 15 years from now, my children are saying those type of things right. about me. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you for joining us, Nick Cannon and Klondike Blonde. What do we expect yes, from Klondike Blonde next, though? Like, what was it? What, is it a project dropping? Like, what is it? Um, we are working on a lot of records right now within the punk rock rap little genre. Um, she in that vibe, that that little Uzi, that juice world. Like, she's uh, yeah. like that whole yeah. festival vibe. So mm -hmm. she, you know, you're going to see her do a lot, a lot mm -hmm. of shows. And like, her, yeah, she got the tatted up record out right now that's streaming going crazy okay. you know the, the the tattoo world is a real world that she's embraced and living in and like all her punk rock rap music is gonna is gonna go up so she's one of those artists that stream like yeah. again that was one of the issues why I created like you heard the song you heard the song on TikTok you know that but, but you never no see the person the artist, right. Right. Yeah. now we gonna turn her into the superstar that she needs to be in and you know allow her fans to kind of Touch her in a way that you know. It, it be, hopefully, we take it to that level. Who called one incredible? I know Justina Valentine, Hitman Holler, Blonde, Hitman Holler. Hitman okay, Holler. Yeah, those, those are. I mean, there's a, a plethora of acts that we're working with. And again, I don't like to be like, oh, you're signed to Incredible, mm -hmm. but these are the people from the artists that you see on. You know, even people like DC Young Fly is an amazing artist. Mm -hmm. It's just that we gotta line it up for when it's time to focus on his music because mm -hmm. he's doing so many other things. So, the artists that we're focusing on at the moment is Klondike. Hitman and Justina are the ones that you're gonna see in the like within the next 60 days dropping, and you know we got a lot. Season two of mm -hmm. uh, Future Superstars is gonna be a whole nother run. Right. Season two, you got to come to Charleston. We and do find some yes. talent. Seriously, hundred percent. I mean, you I got a playlist. You can hear some awesome things. You know, we we all we all Carolina yeah. right here. That's right. right. That's Carolina yeah. squad <laughs> over here. That's right. I'm, I'll be there uh, tomorrow. My grandmother just turned 104. Or she oh, turned 104. that's a blessing. Yeah, wow. shouts out to Kareem Cannon. Happy birthday. So, wow. I'm spending with my great grandmother. Absolutely. In Kannapolis, right. North Carolina. <laughs> Kannapolis? What's that next to? Uh, Concord. Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte. Okay, okay, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you, got you. Yeah. All right. Well, it's The Breakfast Club. It's Nick Cannon, Klondike Blonde. Thank y'all. Let's go. It's time for Donkey of the Day. So, if you ever feel I need to be a donkey man, <laughs> hit me with the heat. Did she get donkey today? Please tell me. Absolutely. I have become donkey of the day. At the breakfast club, bitches. You're a donkey. Mic on red. There you go. Donkey of the day goes to a man in Fort Myers, Florida named Kevin. Now, what does your Uncle Charlotte always say about the great state of Florida? Say it with me, people. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. And today's donkey of the day is no different. Now, I don't know if this man's name is actually Kevin, but that's what he said his name was. And I don't know if that's really his name because this man made some other claims. 
that make me feel like I don't know if we can believe anything that comes out of his mouth. And because this man is just running around saying things that we don't know if we can believe, we the people need to get this man off the street and get him some help. Now, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Charlemagne, since when do you want to get people from Florida some help? Well, that should let you know the severity of the level of donkey we are dealing with. Would you like to know what Kevin's claims were? Let's go to NBC2 for the report, please. Here at the McCaslin household on Shadowley Road, it was all but a typical Thursday evening. We were eating dinner with myself and my two daughters, and we heard a noise at the door. Oh, but nobody was knocking. Instead, this random man was inviting himself in for a bite to eat. Brian got up from the table and found this guy standing right in his living room. He was in. He was in the house. He started telling me that he was a ghost and that I shouldn't be able to see him. That's right. This guy thought he was a ghost. He was shocked that I could see him. Thought he was walking around and that nobody could see him. Brian is barely able to believe what he's seeing. I could tell his behavior was not normal. Who knows what this person might do, you know, if they had a chance to think. After causing this scene inside, this guy who claims his name is Kevin came running outside to where a crew was cutting down a tree. He hopped up in one of their trucks and locked himself inside. So at this point, this man barged into Brian's home. He thinks he's a ghost, and now he's locked inside a tree crew's truck. I think it's all wild. After coaxing the man for a while, the tree trimmers were finally able to get him out, where he then took off wearing nothing but his bathing suit. Let me tell you something, man. Hmm? Uh, uh, if you come to my house with a bathing suit, <laughs> no shoes or anything else on, and I'm in there eating with my daughters, and you are advancing into my house, you get into my house, and you claim to be a ghost, I promise I'm going to make your claim come true. That's right. You may not have been a ghost when you entered, but you shall be a ghost when you leave, okay? F you die slow, my 4-4, make sure all your kids don't grow. Look, man, here's the thing. I know this man is probably dealing with some form of mental illness, but in that moment when someone invades the peace that is your house, you in there with your kids, the first law of nature is self-preservation. I got to protect me and mine, and at this point, I don't know what your angle is, but if you're coming in talking about you a ghost, I don't have no choice but to defend myself because you might be trying to make me one, okay? I don't know if you're a friendly ghost. Or a demon. We don't know if you Casper or Freddy Krueger, Slimer or Samara Morgan from the ring. You're breaking somebody's house talking about you a ghost, then you deserve to get sent to your maker and become the ghost of Christmas past. They said he was wearing nothing but a bathing suit. No shoes or anything else. Hmm. You know another way to look at it? That's not a ghost. That's a crackhead. Okay, maybe meth. <laughs> all right, maybe bath salts. Maybe Fenty Beauty. By Fenty, I mean fentanyl. All I'm saying is I know drug head behavior when I hear it. This man was fiending for a hit, so he was doing what drug heads do, breaking and entering and stealing stuff, looking to make money to get his next hit. See, what happened is he didn't expect for these people to be home. And I have to commend the father here because he knows rule number one when dealing with a full-blown crackhead. Okay, you must remain calm. All right, it's like if you saw a bear or... Ladies, when you see that guy you left on read, Claudia, you can you understand that, right? You just just remain calm. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah, all. Yeah. But the moment Kevin realized he wasn't invisible and could be seen, that's when he knew maybe, just maybe, he probably was still high. Okay, yes, this man was clearly still under the influence because whenever I'm high, you can't tell me I don't have superpowers like invisibility or mind reading, but that's a whole other topic. Now, I agree that we need to find this man some help. All right, but first we have to find him. So they are asking if you have any information that might help investigators, you can submit an anonymous tip to SWFL Crime Stoppers or call 1-800-780-TIPS. But I am a person who loves to see things from both sides, and I've lived long enough to know to always be skeptical, but listen. So Kevin says he's a ghost. As I take a step back, I think to myself, 
What if we are the ones tripping? What if he's not a crackhead and he is indeed a ghost? Who you gonna call? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Who you gonna call? That's right. Maybe he identifies as a ghost. Maybe he identifies as a ghost. That is factual. But who are we right. to say? That's right. You know what? You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Please give this man who identifies as a ghost, Kevin, the biggest <laughs> hee haw. <laughs> All right. And we can't deny him. If he wants to identify as a ghost, who are we to say he can't be a ghost? Where does it end, though? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good That's question. Crazy. That's crazy. All a right. good question. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. The Breakfast Club. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. The legendary E-40. What's happening? Welcome back. Right on. Man, you know what I be wondering, E-40, do you cook for Thanksgiving or do you let somebody else do it? My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my wife, and my son, the Iron Skillet Master. So you I take do, the break on Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving, I take the break. Why? I provide all of uh, the beverages. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, why do you take a, 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 a backseat on Thanksgiving? They cook better than me, bro. Really? Yeah. I go, I go crazy, but, you know, when it comes to Thanksgiving foods, like, you know, uh, dressing and... My mother-in-law make these, um, these, them, you know, the yams over at um, Ruth Chris. Yeah, mm -hmm. the sweet potato casserole with the ma marshmallow in it. She do better than she. It has what is it? Walnuts? Is it walnuts on there? Pecan? She do it better than that. Like she do it better than the Ruth Chris sweet potato casserole. Damn. Yeah. So stuff like that. Wifey do potato salad and all that, and chicken spaghettis and Ugh. not your normal chicken spaghetti too. We'll talk about all that. But, um, I'm hungry right now talking about all the Because you think it's red sauce, but it's not. It's not red sauce? Nah. nah. You, can't, you can't give out the secret ingredient? I can't. Because <laughs> I'm a co-packet. Okay, it's okay. already in motion like the ocean. Okay, okay. We got going with the spoon in the book. You and you and uh, Snoop are on the cover. So you and uh, Snoop did this, did this together. Can Snoop cook? Uh, Snoop can cook. He got his little, you know what I'm saying, his little ooickles. Now, what, now what, is, what does he cook? I think he like to do fried chicken and stuff like that, you know. I'm just all over the place like space with mine. I'm liable to do, um, you know, some orange ruffy or something with some uh, pan-seared orange ruffy with some almond, almonds and some butter and some uh, white <laughs> white wines. <laughs> I saw you do the, the other day. I saw you do a, a mozzarella stuffed turkey meatloaf. Yeah, it go crazy. I don't too. even eat cheese, but I'm like, man, I would have to taste some of that. It's delicious, brother. Yes. Where do you even come up yeah, with these combinations? Where do you get these recipes and ideas from? Um, just being um, just being greedy. <laughs> just being greedy straight up you know i've been cooking for many moons um i used to work at this restaurant in uh, benicia california um called the commandant's restaurant mm -hmm. i started off working in the this when i was a teenager mm -hmm. um started off working in the kitchen uh washing dishes then the pantry next thing you know a guy by the name of lewis he was the main chef there and this place was like a to me, it was like a Michelin star restaurant. A lot of rich people go there, mm -hmm. but it was they wasn't giving out Michelin stars at that time. But if they was, that definitely would have been it because dude taught me how to make orange. Uh, I told you about orange ruffy, mm -hmm. um, chicken gordon blue, um, escargot. You understand me? Um, London London broil. You know, just all kind of just elegant stuff. You mm -hmm. know, and so. Uh, but you know, along with Magazine Street, you know, us top ramen noodles with eggs and. Stuff like that, you understand me? I, I just go crazy. I just do it out, what I feel tastes best. You know what I'm saying? I love making oxtails and a power pressure cooker, mm -hmm. oxtails, uh, short ribs, you know, it's a gumbo. 
things of that nature. So this is interesting because, you know, I've I, I wondered where the... Because I love watching you. I've been telling you this for years. I love watching you on Instagram and seeing you cook. So your family... You come from a family of cooks and you worked in a restaurant. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Are you surprised yeah. with the receptiveness that you get from the cooking? Because I almost seem like it. Like I, I see more people loving more the cooking than some of the music t- at times. Hey, you know, people... People love music, out, but they love food more than music, I think. Period. Don't mm-hmm. you think so? When you wake yeah. up in the morning, you trying to hear music or you want to eat? Kind of both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You feel me? Yeah, so, you kinda, yeah, they kind of go hand in hand a little mm-hmm. bit. So, you know, yeah. I told in 2014, um, I had got a power pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started making all the, all the meals and stuff like that. And then, you know what I'm saying, um, me and Be Legit got a song where, we, where he, Be Legit said, uh, The Goon with the Spoon. You know what I'm saying? And we sat on a couple of songs and whatnot, and um, I was like, you know what? I start I start hashtagging Goon with the Spoon, and then I told my boy Cousin Feek to have his guy go make the logo, so he went and made the logo, and so I, I feel like, you know how you got McDonald's, and you got Arby's, and mm-hmm. you got Jack in the Box, and so on and so forth, you know, those logos, they, they subliminally in your head, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do when I got the vector, I put a, the vector on the... Um, on every post that I did when I made the when I did the cooking, so you would always see "Goon with the Spoon" down at the bottom right hand corner, and so I knew what I was doing because I knew I was going to go into co packing. Mm-hmm. So now the "Goon with the Spoon" is just not just me, just on Instagram. I'm a it's a brand like I co pack. Like I got "Goon with the Spoon" ice cream, six different flavors. I got "Goon with the Spoon" sausages, chicken teriyaki, pineapple, um, Philly chicken cheese steak, and mild beef and hot beef. Um, I got Goon with Spoon burritos, you understand me, and many more to come. So now we got the book, and Snoop Dogg was like, he say, uh, nephew, come on, man, listen. Well, Unc, I'm, you know, he called you by his nephew, but he, Unc, man, let's go, let's do something, man, because he was already in the, um, he already got his own book. It's a bestseller, too. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had the outlet, and I was like, you know, it's only right. I, You know, I don't have no pride problem, you know. That's the mm-hmm. problem with people. They got pride. They, you know what I'm saying? Put your pride to the side, you know what I mean? I'm like, what better person to let, you know what I'm saying, put it out on the platform? It's everywhere now, so it's out now. That's right. The Goon with the Spoon. And, and the Goon with the Spoon, you weren't, it'd be legit wasn't talking about uh, cooking. <laughs> it's a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good way to turn a, a so-called negative into a positive. That's right. So check yeah. game. So I feel like, you know how when you play basketball, a lot of people, like say, like say for instance, we got, um, when we got uh, McCaffrey on our team, uh, the 49ers, mm-hmm. my cousin, a Dallas Cowboy boy fan. Smart man. Yeah, he was Horrible like, man. Oh, uh, for real? You think so? And he was like, you know, we talk big Bronco to each other, and I ain't talking about Denver Broncos. That's just a phrase I said. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, I ain't going to lie. McCaffrey, a dog. Right? So that the dog is not a dog in a bad way. It's like, right. he, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just like being a beast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why can't be a goon with a spoon cutter? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's right. Now, now, you did mention basketball. Can, can we talk Warriors a little bit? You want to Dr- talk Warriors? Draymond Green just, just you know, grabbed the poor light-skinned brother out his damn near out his shoes, man. What you, what you want me to say? What you want? What you talking to me? <laughs> what you, you know, I'm not going to go against Draymond. First and foremost, he's sharpening a porcupine spine. That's right. And he observes everything. And most of the time when he say, rewind the, rewind the tape. Yes, sir. When, when they call some bad stuff on him, he, he right most mm-hmm. of the time. So... I'm just rocking with Draymond because when he when he react on something, I take his opinion. I, I I know 
I'm rocking with Jay, Draymond. He now, most of the time should. he's real. He's holding down his team, and he should. That most is my year. favorite NBA player. And nobody do nothing to none of his team. No. That's right, especially Absolutely. playing stuff. Absolutely. And you don't win championships without a, a Draymond Somebody Green type player. A tough player, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Protected. Because uh, was Rodman, Rodman was a fool with it, huh? With the, was he? Rodman yeah, was, he was, he was a fool with it. He yeah. was a fool with it. Oakley, yeah. They was with it. You need enforcers. The Pistons back they were they were, they were fools with it. Absolutely. Now, now there was an incident that happened in, in Sacramento when you were out at, at the playoff game. Mm-hmm. What happened during that time? Man, I just was just being me, man. I was just sitting courtside like I always do. I just so happened to go to Sacramento. I just did a successful bottle signing at Total Wine with all my liquor brands. Line was wrapped around the building. I know Sacramento loved me dearly. And just a heckler in the background and, um, you know, just was drunk or whatever. And I just... I just was like, oh, tell me to sit down. I was, I was, what? I'm at the basketball. I'm front row. You like behind me, like three rows up or whatever. You can't tell. You new to this. I've been doing this since Moby Dick was a goldfish, you dig? Mm-hmm. And so she was like, told me to sit down again. And I looked back and I didn't cuss her out or nothing. I said, hey. And next thing you know, the security came and we just put it this way, man. We got it straight because I know that Sacramento loves me. I know Sacramento King fans love me. And the owner got big love for me. I'm, matter of fact, I'll be at the Gold One Center, um, what, December? December. Got a big show there. So mm-hmm. they own that building. So we rocking. Okay. All right, we got more with E40 when we come back. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're kicking it with E40. Charlemagne? I know, I know you're here to talk about your, your 27th solo album, Rule of Thumb, but, you know, we can't. Look- Way more than that. I don't know why they keep putting 27. Not 20, how many is it? It's more than that. Oh, you, 30, 30 something. Damn. Jesus. Because you got to put my EPs up in that thing. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, my solo EPs. Mr. Flamboyant came out in uh, 1989. Do you count the compilations too? Like, um, No, no compilations. I ain't even counting the compilations or the, song, the albums with the click. Damn. Of that. Yeah. Mm. I've been doing this since uh, Cumber the Frog was a polywog. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a couple weeks ago, November, November 9th, 1993. Federal album drop. It really was 1992. We used to put it up a year because we was in. We when you say when we when you talk about independent, we was the real independent. Okay. Like you understand me? I'm talking about using City Hall Records as our main hub and uh, music people. We didn't have a big distribution deal, you know, until like '94 when Jive Records and every label that that did rap music. They had a big bid and war on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted, you know, they wanted me, stick with the records. They wanted us, you know. And uh, I went ahead and went with Jive. But nah, they, they put the, um, we used to always put it up a year because it would take some time to get to other states. And when it did get to other states, we wanted to soak in. We didn't want them to think the album, the album or the EP is old. Mm. That was just our method. My Uncle St. Charles, um, I'm, I'm sure y'all heard me speak of, Uncle St. Charles, that's my mother's brother, mm-hmm. blood. So, you know, everybody say, Uncle this, Uncle that. That's, mm-hmm. my, that's my bloodline. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, helped, you know what I'm saying, uh, the boy Master P and many of us, you know what I mean, from the beginning, because Master P used to be out there with us in the Bay Area in Richmond, California. Mm-hmm. So PC and how I was doing it, he was doing his thing too, but he wasn't doing it on the level that he was doing it when he, once he got to with St. Charles. And then he just took it to big heights. So it's been, And that's th- my brother right now to this day. So it's been 31 years since Federal then. Not yeah, 1992. Damn, we wow. came in. Damn, what, 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 what does your mind go when you think about that? It was going to start off as an EP because that's what we was doing when you do solo stuff back mm-hmm. then. It was, and I, I just had too much gas, and uh, I was like, man, let me, you know, what I'm saying, let me just go in and add some more songs to to make it an album. 
And that's the mind frame. I had a lot to say, um, being fresh from the soil mm-hmm. and uh, way ahead of my time. Do you remember the impact it had? Yeah, woke the game up. Yeah. I'm the dopest, bro. Only only suckers and clowns can't see it. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm above I'm a, I'm beyond what they think. You know, you go back and listen to all my old stuff, you listen to my new slaps right now, rule of thumb, you understand. Mm-hmm. I'm the epitome of mob music. I I've been in every era from the you understand me, the black fist in the air with the you know, with the with the African medallion in mm-hmm. the late eighties to you understand to the mob music era, to the G funk, to the South music with Cash Money and 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 A Bar and MJG and all all these cats. You understand me, Master P. Um, I'm the hyphy movement. I'm just everything all in one. You think with the, with them celebrating 50 years of hip hop, they celebrated you the right way? Yeah, I was I was part of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I was part of all. They they invited me to pretty much everything, everything. Mm-hmm. You think they celebrated the beta right way? Um, I think they reached out to me and Short was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they reached out to um, you know, Hammer. Hammer already said he he you know a lot of them reached out to him. People didn't know that, but you know, Hammer chose to do what Hammer do. He he he, the OG. I got nothing but love for him. You know, Hammer wasn't even tripping. I don't know why, but I didn't ask him. But that's my big bro. You know what's interesting when you say about how you've been able to transcend through every genre? It's because your flow and rhymes have always been so unorthodox. They don't fit a time period anyway. Absolutely. There's no time <laughs> limit. That's real, bro. And nobody can bite it. Nobody. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I get in a vocal booth. I don't know what pattern I'm going to do. I don't know none of that. I just do it. I'm a professional beat picker, mm-hmm. and I know I'm ahead of my time. You know, because I like to do things that's innovating. I like to do what everybody else don't. Even my slaps. I like them to be up-tempo. I like them to be slow. I do it all. So I'm just, I love to talk about, the, you know, the, the hard times. The struggle, climb up the ladder, trying to climb up the ladder and climb up and, and you know get over the fence of the ghetto. You know what I'm saying? Um, Cause that's what we all that's what we all work hard for is to you know provide our family with uh you know with a better life. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between E40 that did Federal and E40 that did Rule of Thumb? The difference between E40 that did Federal and the E40 that did Rule of Thumb is now I the things I would have said back then I think things out. You know what I mean? Like back then, I was just a young, hard-headed, managed little dude. You know what I'm saying? Just, just spitting what I spit. Now, I'm more of a, uh, I'm more of a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I did talk about like trigger play and sliding, and you know what I'm saying, and all that whole spinning the block and all that stuff, it was, it was never, um, like glorifying. It. it was never glorifying. It was. A, I'm a storyteller. I'm a poet. I'm, you know, I got a verbal paintbrush. I paint pictures with my lyrics. So that's one thing I've always did. And I talk about the consequences and repercussions about the situation. A lot of cats don't. You know what I mean? If you do this, this could happen. You can lose a loved one. You know, they go take it out on somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This, this is how this thing goes. Mm-hmm. I, I spit all that. You know, we had uh, Coco Jones up here one time. And she was talking about the, one of the first times she ran into you. You remember? Buster Rhymes. Oh no! Oh, so boy. I go up to him and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like you had just seen my cover, my uh, my freestyle of your thingy, my Bob on Wildin' Out." Uh oh. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah." Buster Rhymes wasn't at the Rock Nation. Listen, listen, listen. I was like, "Remember?" I was like, "Cause I feel like I'm running and I feel like I gotta get away, get away," you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, "That's good, Shawty. That's good." I was like, "All right." I walk away and I'm talking to my manager. I said, "Buster Rhymes, who was that?" He doesn't have dreads anymore. <laughs> My manager goes, girl, that's E-40. No. I was like, oh, no.
I don't remember, bro. All right. Well, I don't. I, don't re- I know what you're talking about, <laughs> but I don't remember. <laughs> and I wasn't drunk. She said at the Rock Nation, right? Rock Nation, bro. She said she walked up to you and she just started rapping, busting around. I don't really. I don't. I just because she because I I seen her saying something about um. She said, "I said shorty was a shorty. I don't even. That ain't even in my vocabulary. That's too basic for yeah. That's for too basic for forty water. That ain't in my. You know what I'm saying? I'll say something way slicker than that. So you know, maybe she was just. I don't know. Maybe she thought I was somebody else. I don't know. Because me and Buster, we got we rap different. We two of the most creative rappers on earth, and you know, maybe she thought that or something. But we don't look alike or nothing, you know. But that's my guy, you know. Um, but I don't recall that." But hey, it is what it is. It's, you know, everybody don't know me. Because I've been around, like I say, ever since, you know, Yogi Bear was a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the late mm-hmm. 80s, you feel me? And so, you know, maybe she didn't know me really. You know, I, I don't I don't get offended. It's gravity. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I got to ask, these one-liners that you have, 40, do you write them down? Because you have a one-liner for everything. I, I swear, you must, if you had to count how many one-liners you do, it has to be thousands a day. I just got memory like a spelling bee. See? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, you don't write them down or nothing? You just... I just, I just, you know, log it in, you know. I heard porcupine spawn. I heard <laughs> something like a tadpole this morning. I said he was young as a mustache. I just heard so many. I got like, plenty. I, if you sit down with me, man, you you hear a whole bunch of stuff. It just come out natural like an afro. <laughs> but we appreciate you for joining Always us. Cool with the spoon. Man. The book is out right now. Of Rule course, of thumb will be the out. album Ruler Thumb Rule is out thumb, right now. Man. Yeah, twenty three slaps back to back. Stop playing with water. E forty. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's DJ NV, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, Charlemagne, you got a positive note? Positive note is simply this, man. Be careful what you wish for others because it just might get to you, all right? To wish bad things for somebody else is actually like looking for something bad to happen to you because when you wish bad karma on somebody else, you bring bad karma on yourself, okay? You are consuming and bringing in negative vibes into your life. Instead, be the person you wish they were. Be the person who brings only positive thoughts and good vibes into their own life because being negative yourself will only bring negative into your life. Don't poison yourself hoping somebody else will die, all right? Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?